A Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. Welcome to Tricky Kid Radio, where the past and the future meet the present for a fun mix of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, hosted by filmmaker and DJ Roy Turner. Okay, so hey everybody, my guest this week, welcoming back to the program is Frank Bellow of Anthrax. He's written a book called Fathers, Brothers, and Sons, Surviving English Abandonment in Anthrax. Once again, welcome back to the program, my man, Frank Bello. Frankie, how are you, sir? Thank you, my friend. I'm, I'm well. I'm okay. I'm in my basement, like, like everybody else in the world, and um, <laughs> do my thing promoting this book. I've never, just so you know, and you know me, um, I've never done this before, so I'm all new to it. It's kind of like a record, but it's not like promoting a record, but it's, right. it's, it's kind of like strips you down, kind of raw. So I'm, I'm finding my way about it. Well, here's what I loved about the book so much. It was that, you know, a, a lot of people write, uh, you know, these, these biographies. They do tend to be the same, don't they? They kind of tend to read the same a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yours really spoke to me. I, I am also a, a father. I am a, a brother. I am a son. And, and the fact that you came at it from that angle and kind of took it from the thing to make it about family and put that at, at the center, I thought it was fantastic. Talk to me about who in your family has read this book so far and what the feedback has been. Great question. And I'll tell you this. Um, I It took a while for me to give it to my mom. And you've read the book, so you know. Sure. Um, this is a, is a story about abandonment, family, picking yourself up, brushing yourself off after really a lot of stuff going on in your life. There's a lot of things we'll talk about, it, I'm sure. But uh, I had a hard time telling my mom and she knew I wrote the book and I, I told this about our family, but I, I sent it to her and I said, look, it's probably going to come in the mail probably today. It gets there probably today, my friend, which scares the hell out of me because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that she had, has to relive. Yeah. Like, um, the poverty. I mean, my mom, after my dad took off, it, five kids were on her. You yeah. know, it was, we went on welfare. We lost the house, right? It was all on her. She didn't drive. She was a housewife. In those days, the, the mom stood home, right? And dad went out to uh, make a living. All of a sudden, when he took off, there was nothing, dude. And, um, you know, then the notices started coming in the mail. I saw those pink notices. I still remember in my head. The notices, like, they're going to take your house away. Inevitably, they did. And so the welfare, you know, there was no money. And um, I remember vividly, and I, I, I told her about this, and it, it really still bothers me. If they're all this therapy, I remember there was one box. And this, is, this is in the book. One box of rice You read this um, yeah. in, in the cupboard. And really for five kids and that and that i know it sounds like an, like an extreme story but that's the god's honest truth i still remember her cooking and crying while she was cooking it because five kids around it and look it wasn't going to be enough it yeah. just wasn't it wasn't enough for that day that was the moment i decided i will never let this happen to my family ever whoever if i bring a child into this world which i have i have a 15 year old son this book's for him this book is for him and this book is for, for fathers mothers people just um, and it's a way of giving back and say, look, you can be through all this stuff. This is, 
This is my story about how I brush myself off. And if can, what I'm finding is overwhelmingly, thankfully, people are really getting it and, and connecting with it and understanding it and uh, putting their own, their own lives into it and, uh, and getting inspired, which is even better for me to hear that. They're getting inspired by hearing my story and how you could brush yourself off and move, move towards tomorrow. That's more important to me than anything, honestly, because, yeah, I get I'm in the metal, this metal band, it's supposed to be all tough and all that stuff. We're all just human. At the end of the day, we all have families and we all want to connect, especially now what's going on. So I, I, I feel this book, I did want to take that path in because I just, I see a lot of people hurting. Um, and I felt, man, maybe I could pass this off and, and say, you know, pay it forward, you know, and say, look, I've been very lucky, very fortunate. It's bad stuff and to have a great strong family and moved on to tomorrow. Maybe it could help somebody else do that. But it had been cathartic for you at the same time, however, because you said you went through therapy. The, the book felt like therapy as I was reading it. Yeah. You know, and that's a good question. It was therapy. When I wanted to do this with my, my co-writer, Joel, what I said to him the first time we talked about this, I said, what I like to do is tell my story as we're sitting in a bar, you and I are just sitting at a bar, either having a beer or a cup of coffee and just talking. And from the feedback I've been getting and the reviews, thankfully are very great and, and positive. They've been saying, that's what we feel like. Cause if they feel like I'm talking to them, that's what I yeah. want. It's me taking you through my life. Yes. Peaks, valleys, a lot of valleys, but the whole point is, and this is what I keep saying to my son and, and just, this is how your father did it. No matter how many times you get slapped down, brush yourself off and move on because I didn't have that. I didn't have somebody to tell me my, my whatever you want to say, father figure, whatever. I didn't have that to say, um, at that early age, brush yourself off and move on. I learned it. I learned it through other people, my heroes, my musicians that I loved, my uncle Joe, different people in my family, strong women in my family. That's right. It's, 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 this book's for them. You know, it's i I'm a pro girl thing and I'm pro, I'm so pro girl because they brought me up to be the man who I am. You know, growing up an Anthrax fan, I obviously wanted to hear some great Anthrax stories. You mentioned about being a son. Now we're talking about being a father. Without being a helicopter dad, right? Because right. you don't want to be intrusive to his life and, and pave his way. But you do want to do, what I didn't have was a, a, a path, a pathway. Somebody to show up, different options of pathways that are all positive, honestly. Look, there's a, there was a time in my life where I could have went to hang out and what I call lovingly, the, the kids in my Bronx neighborhood, I could have went that route, you know, and just the drugs and all that stuff and get into trouble and fights and, and want to be tough guys. Yeah, could have took, took, taken that path. No, it wasn't for me. I just, music was my path and I, I'm really thankful I had that. With my son, I'll give him options. Look, I, I put guitars all over this house to inspire him. I don't, I'm not going to tell him, you play this. I'm not going to do right. that. But what I am going to do is leave them here because that was the outlet for me of what the pain I had in my youth. The outlet for me was picking up that guitar and making myself feel better, quite yeah. honestly. That was it, learning. I didn't care how, how I learned. I had to learn how to feel better. That was my way out. So I want to leave him that option. And going back to my son, yeah, you know what? An hour from now, after we're done with this interview, I'm going to be sitting in front of his school, waiting for him to be to pick him up. That's I want to know. I want to hear about his day. I want to tell him, look, who'd you have a problem with? Did you have a problem with this teacher? Blah blah blah. Homework, all that stuff. I want to hear about it. I didn't have that. I, didn't I want to make sure I'm in on it. So 
he doesn't have that hollowness that I still have, right? And yes. you have, right? Yes. You have that, there's an emptiness, this void that we want to fill. And we want to, sometimes we overcompensate, which is fine. I know I do. <laughs> right? we, we have to. And yeah. you know, there's, there's something cool about that too, to a certain point where you don't, my wife tells me enough, right? I know me too, yeah. Because we spoil them. Yeah. And that's all good because that's what we came from, right? We understand that. But at the same time, I just, I want him to know you know, this dad's here. Yeah, it's here. You know what I mean? I didn't have that. You didn't have that. And there's a lot of people out there, men and men and women that didn't have that. I know. So I think this book hits on that and it connects with people in that way. How much has he dialed into some of the stuff that you've gone through? I've, I try to hide my past and the abandonment yeah. stuff and all that I, because that's a negative. I don't there's enough negativity in the world right now. Right. What I want him to know that mom and dad are here. My, for me, and we're lucky enough, my wife, we're married 23 years. Uh, you know, it's all good. I don't make a big deal out of it. But what I want them to know is that we're here if you need us because this world is tough right now. Yeah. Um, and again, I go back to that, that that feeling. I don't want that emptiness in him ever, ever. It's a really more, more important than anthrax. Anything I do is making sure he knows that we're here and, and to guide him through to the next stage of his life. And that's really important because, again, I want to give him everything I didn't have. So I try to help him to understand that if no one, if no one else in your life is going to understand you and get you, it will be me. <laughs> well, I love it. That's that's what I want. Look, you even saying that as a dad, I love hearing that as a dad. You just said that and you convinced me just now as you said that. Yes, I say. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Tricky Kid Radio. So while we're taking a break here, I want to play a song for you. Um, so some people know this, some people don't, but Frank Frank actually has a great band with another bass player, of course, from Megadeth, or I guess I should say now formerly of Megadeth once again. I know there's a big to-do happening there. They have a band called Altitudes and Attitude, and they put out a record uh, back in 2019 called Get It Out, and it's awesome, man. They're both singing, great songwriting. Um... And there's a song called Here Again that I thought was kind of appropriate to what we're talking about today. And and I just kind of want to turn people on to this record because I like it so much. So anyway, here from our sponsors, uh, you're going to hear the song Here Again from Altitudes and Attitude. And we'll be right back with more with Frank Bellow. While we take a short break, let me assure you this isn't an ad you can afford to skip. Simply be entranced by my voice so you can hear from these great sponsors. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here, plus exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media, our Twitter handle, at TrickyKid2, type TrickyKid Radio Podcast on Facebook, and DJ TrickyKid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ TrickyKid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single stream, so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. 
Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Cat.
Money Southern California, and you are listening to Roy Turner on Tricky Kid Radio, so turn it up. Once again, your host, Roy Turner. Listeners out there, we'll, we'll do a little bit of anthrax now for a second. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about State of Euphoria. That is the first time as a band that you guys felt like you didn't... Why do you think that State of Euphoria at times has its absolute brilliance, like Who Care Wins and Be All End All, and maybe some of the other ones? Talk to me about that contrast. It was about timing and not having enough time. As we do Anthrax, we sit, we write the songs, we sit with them for a while and live with them, as you do. You listen to songs and you want to make sure they're right to go out and you're feeling good about long-term songs. Long, because all of our songs, these are for life. These are lifers. That's what I'm saying, right. That was the time, you remember that time, the whole, it was going crazy with Anthrax. You went from Among the Living to State of Euphoria, nonstop touring. A song like Schism, I would have just liked to have lived with it. And maybe, because when I hear it now, I say every time I hear it, I would have done this with that chorus. I would have put this part here. That's all I ever meant with it. And it's not that it's it's a horrible song. It's just not my favorite. That's all, because I'm still very, very proud of that record. They're proud of everything we've done. Has there ever been any talk of putting any of those songs back in the set list? I have to be honest with you. The songs that I want to play, I, I want to play that are, that are deep cuts. From I like the song Suzerain. Uh, it's not always easy, but we, we, like, we, we like to throw curveballs. It's called The Giant. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that song for sure. I yeah. like that song a lot. It's just It just really gets me. Suzerain, I like that song a lot. Again, these are obscure songs that people really don't know, but from the last couple of records, right? What was most important to include in this book for you? I wanted to have a lot of everything. Yes, we tell the stories about brothers, fathers, and sons. There's a lot of great rock and roll stories and yeah. stuff that you would never, unless you're there, you would never know. There's one of the stories in the book. One night, Anthrax Metallica go out. This is years ago. Go out and we, we party up. They come to the Anthrax show. So we go out to certain bars after the show and we're getting, we're feeling good, right? So we're just <laughs> driving around me. I thought, we're, we had people driving that were, they were sober, so it was all good. So we, we were just driving around bar to bar, and then somebody came up with a great idea because Kirk had to leave early. He had something to do the next morning, went home. Somebody came, and we were still partying, so somebody came up with a great idea. Let's go to Kirk's house. By the way, in poor Lars's, um, I think it was a Range Rover or Land Rover, I'm a, I'm a wuss with halting liquor. So um, we were drinking a lot, a lot of shots, a lot of everything went on that night. So I was literally in the back of his, <laughs> I remember <laughs> buckets of puke, throwing it out the window, like, just like this. And so after a while, I got tired of holding it in my hand. There was so much coming out. I just went to the, Wah! so poor Lars, the whole side of his car was filled with my puke. I felt so fucking bad. So that, that we're, we're on, we're going to Kirk's house to jam because he has a studio in the back. Right? right, right. This is one of his older houses. So. We go around back. This is in a really beautiful area, San Francisco. You know, it's quiet, you know, cops and all that stuff. You got to be careful. So we go around sn- sneakily in the back. The door is open. We found, You know, we had heard the door was open in the back. Um, so we went in into Kirk's jam room, studio jam room. This is in, the, in his, like his basement. He's up there in his house. And imagine this is 2, two in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, right? He's been sleeping for hours now. So... Now you have to understand it's it's me, James, Charlie, Scott, you know, Lars, and a bunch of our friends just going in and there's lined lined up amplifiers, drums, bass amps, everything you want to create fucking havoc, noise, right, right? right? Dude, we get in there, we're hammered, everything goes up to ten immediately. 
and any guitar, any bass that went on, I don't know what the fuck we were playing, to be honest, but it was <laughs> fucking loud. And we just screamed at the top of our balls, just having a great fucking a rowdy time. So there's this window in the studio, and we're making noise, and all of a sudden, I see Kirk come by, and he's, he's fucking pissed. I felt really bad, because this is his house at 2.30 yeah. in the morning. We're just fucking going off, right? And we see him, because and he could, we couldn't hear him, but he was... He's he screaming, he's get out of my, you know, what the fuck? And he comes in, and he goes, dude, what the fuck, man? This is not cool. This is not cool. So long story short, we left and we walked down the, the hill again because we felt really bad. I, I felt really bad. We all, because we, we were busted. We were busted. So we just left and we went back to the cars. So on the way down, I'm walking with Lars down the hill, down um, right in front of his house. And I said, dude, I feel really bad. So Lars goes to me, I don't know if he was egging me on or what, whatever it was. He goes, you should probably go say I'm sorry. And I was convinced. We go back up the hill, go knock on Kirk's front door, and it's this big, beautiful glass door, beautiful door. I mean, it looks stunning. Um, so I'm knocking on it. Nobody's answering. Ringing the bell. Nobody's answering. So I'm getting tired. We're all we're buzz. So I lean on the door. I said, come on. You know, Kirk, Kirk. All of a sudden, dude, out of nowhere, I lose, I lose my balance. <laughs> into the door into that beautiful beautiful glass door <laughs> dude i don't know how my ass didn't get cut because it was a fucking glass so me it was like a comedy me and lars looking at each other, oh shit we fucking fly down the fucking road into the car running i hear kirk come out dude you broke my fucking door what the fuck he was so pissed i felt so bad so bad long story short anthrax is still on tour uh next day my tour manager comes up to me and I'm hungover as shit. Well, you know, hammered, you know, bad. So in the, in the dressing room, he goes, he's holding a paper in his hand. Frank, where were you last night? I said, I went out drinking with some of the Metallica guys with, the, with, with uh, Scott and Charlie. We had some fun. You sure everything all right? And um, he hands me this paper. It's a bill for a glass door, $13,000. <laughs> Dude, I, I was in anthrax. I didn't have their thirteen dollars. I was fucking scared out of my brain, right? So you know, I'm like, oh shit, man. This is, and it, it was real. It was real. I got scared. It, was, it looked very official. Long story short, um, I make I called Kirk and I apologized profusely. It was it was a terrible thing. I felt bad, but this is how cool that dude is. He said, ah, dude, don't worry about it. It's all good. You know, he just let me go. Let me slide on it. And later on, I found out it wasn't thirteen grand. It was more like you know. It was, thousand or whatever it was but it was it was enough to scare the shit out of me and yeah. feel double bad i mean i really felt bad about that because i didn't want that to, i fell into the fucking glass i don't know who, i don't know if he set it up i don't know who set it up but it was a great setup and they got me good and i'm humbled for it but it was it was one of those better times so i said people don't know about this why not throw this in the book because yeah. that's the time i think people would get you know there's all the times of pantera with, with Dimebag. you know oh, i was on these bad i have bad i had a bad stomach i some parasites in my stomach. So I had to take this really bad, par I have to say this, I'll preface this by saying, I have parasites in my stomach from eating sausage in Mexico City with Dimebag on the streets. Oh. We got loaded one night, Anthrax and Pantera were loaded on the streets. You know those carts, that you, the food carts that you shouldn't go near? Right. Especially <laughs> when you're drunk? Well, me like the fucking idiot, I go over there, we all, we're all having sausage. I don't know what the fuck's in this sausage, right? Right, could be a so, dog. Yeah, so you just wanted to soak up the booze. That's what I was trying to do. So right. I go, you know, everything's all right. We go back to the hotel, blah, blah, blah. That whole year, dude, I had the worst stomach. I couldn't hold anything. And doctor after doctor, I was losing weight. It was terrible. Doctor after doctor. One one specialist found this that I had two parasites under my liver. 
that from the sausage long story short oh so my it, god it was horrible so i was on these pills for a long time and on the second leg of that pantera tour i was literally hiding out because dime would always get me and come up let's go with black tooths right and find right, me right, right, you know right. the deal dude yeah yes <laughs> i'd be hiding out in the back of the tour bus in the back of the tour but afraid that because i was i can't because medicine's not going to work i'm never going to get over this shit. You yeah know? all of a sudden dude knock 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 he comes in the back, <laughs> back of the bus with the tray of black dudes let's go let's go <laughs> let's go <laughs> right in man it just kept going so needless to say i was on the i was on the medication for a long time after that too i can i can still hear him saying that to me personally like he saw he never you know he always had names for people he never called me by he never called me roy he always called me van halen he'd go van halen let's go like you know <laughs> And I'm like, and I'm not the world's biggest drinker. And I'm like, oh my God, you know? And, you know, Vinny would do the same. But you, you, would, you grew up at Vinny's house in Vegas, weren't you? Where he had the, the house with the different oh, yeah. rooms and shit. Of course, of course yes. My goodness gracious. Maybe a drunken night in that place too. Dangerous place, but the best times of our lives. And no, I totally. In the book, these are the best times of our lives. Like that will never be recreated. Rest of their souls, there will never be a diamond Vinny on this earth again. No. I believe there were two angels that were given to us to, to live the rock and roll lifestyle, and I love them forever. Hey there, everybody. This is Neil Found from Clutch, and you are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Vinny, Vince and I have had, rest his soul, we've had a lot of great conversations about losing brothers. Yeah. He lost dime. I lost my brother, and we connected on that. We've had some really beautiful conversations just between us both. That, that are private, but and um, it made me understand and leveled me out a little bit too. Because I, I mean, you still carry this thing, you know. This yeah, thing is still never here. get over that, yeah. And and through our conversations, you really helped me with it too, because you had a good way of thinking about it. The situation that went down with Dime. What was the first conversation that you and Vinny had? But I want you to know, I've been where you are. That's what I said to him. That's like literally what I said to him. I, I say I don't know what to say right now to make you feel better. But I want to let you know that I've been there. And if you want to talk at any second of the day, any time of the day, wherever I am, I'm here. I, that's all I want them to know because there's no words. There's no words you can right. say that's going to make anything feel better because you're just looking. You know, you don't understand what happened, number one, because no, nothing makes sense. Right. And then you just, you know, say, what the fuck? And how do I think about this? How do I, how do I make this sane? How do I get clarity here? Because you don't have clarity. That's the truth. Yeah. And I think our conversations together, Vinny and I, it, it, it gave us a little clarity because number one, we weren't alone. The day it happened, I was on tour with Helmet. During the show that night, we had to play. And uh, Paige Hamilton, singer of Helmet, he stopped the show and gave, we did a cheers to Dime. You know, and that, we were just bawling, bawling yeah. on the stage, bawling. Everybody in the crowd, because some of them didn't know. Yeah, right. And when he said it, it was just. The last time I saw Vinny, it was with King's X. Uh, here in Dallas, and we were at you know the club trees. Silence is the room. He just said, "Listen, man, I just want you guys to know that you guys were my brother's favorite fucking band, man. You guys toured with with King's X. I would love to hear you share uh, 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 something, uh, maybe a, a King's X tale from when you guys were on tour together. There can't be enough said about that band. So we brought them on tour because we knew how great they were. We yeah. knew, and that's I, I think our fans got it. They're smart enough to know that." King's X is one of those bands uh, that I would love to tour with right now, right? And it doesn't matter how old we get, how old all of us get. They just will always have the goods because they come from here. 
and that's it. Then they can right, come from right sure. here. Their songwriting is right here, and their melody structure, their, their, just their song structure, it makes you feel good. Because it's such a story there. Maybe a young, gay, black dude, musician guy finds himself. I can do that. Maybe they say to themselves, I can write that's... a song. I can, I can be in a band. Maybe they can do that. There's so much knocking down. People want to just, the cancel culture, all that bullshit that is really not human. It's not no. what human nature is, man. You're letting the ugly side of human nature come out. Fuck that, man. How about how about rising to it at this point? I want to inspire people. I have a kid, for God's sake. I want the next generation to, to make something out of them. I'm not going to nail them. I'm not going to knock them. Right. I want to inspire them to That's have a right. better life than we had. I've never been prouder as a fan. When I was there that day in the Bronx, man, at Yankee Stadium, I was... I think uh, you know you know that picture that Andy took that's behind Charlie's drum set. I was like oh, I was like right you you remember this? I was right I was right to the left there, and seeing you guys fucking take the stage at Yankee Stadium, man, I I'm, I can't get over I still can't get over it. I, me either. Walk walk me through that day a little bit for you, Frankie. Well, you you have to understand. I'll take you back a little bit. A guy grew up ten minutes from that from that stadium, yeah. 10 minutes. So as a diehard Yankee fan, uh, I grew up in the Bronx where all my friends were Yankee fans. So obviously I became that. We used to go to the stadium all the time. The older stadium it was right next to it. The building right, sure, stadium yeah. right next to the right. same ground. Quintessential place that I, the Mecca would always be a guy from New York, the Bronx, whatever, playing Madison Square Garden. And right. we did that. And we yeah. headlined and I was um, on the Clash of the Titans. So it was awesome, right? And Yankee Stadium was not even in the thought process. There's right. no way, because that doesn't happen. When we got the call, able to happen, I was no fucking way, immediately thought a fucking guest list. And that's what scared the shit out of me. Yeah, right. Who's going to be mad at me? <laughs> you know, look, it's the big four. There's only a certain amount of tickets. Right. Right. That we get. So how much am I going to spend out? There's a, yeah, there's still a lot of people mad at me from that show that didn't get him, you know, or <laughs> didn't get the right passes or whatever the fuck. The biggest deal was having my grandmother, Charlie's mom, and that was the last show that she got to see of us. She got to see the, the crowning moment right there, the biggest show we've ever played. What'd you think? What'd you think, Graham? And she goes, that was, you know, she said it was awesome. But I said, um, uh, thank you. You made this happen. She deserved that. She yes. deserved that. And I could see how proud she was. And she was in a wheelchair and all that stuff. And especially Anthrax staying in the Bronx that day. It was awesome. Who you are and go for your goals. So I came from that. And that's, I guess that's what I'm doing in the book. I want to say, look, nothing should hold you back. That's what I want to say to my son. You know, yeah. nothing should hold you back. Do what you want to do. Go for it. I say this at the end of the book. I said, I want to tell my son, never say I should have. Never say I never. should have. Because there's no regrets, man. Uh, once again, the book is called Fathers, Brothers, Sons, and Surviving Anguish, Abandonment, and Anthrax. It's out now. I want to thank everybody out there for the kind words and the, and the great reviews we're getting. And I, I'm very proud of it. If we sell one book that inspires somebody to move on to tomorrow and, and brush themselves off that are in a shit way. Look, there's a lot of that. There's yeah. a lot of that going on. So why not try to, you know, if they, they can read this and get inspired, then it's done its job. That's the way I look at it. It's Delhi and, and I'm and I'm picturing you, knowing you like I do, I'm, I can just see you fucking with everybody that comes in and <laughs> and being you and that that's you and your element right there. It is my, you know? that, that was my training right there. It's my ball busting training, I call it, because everybody came in it was like being on a stand-up stage. The deli was a stand-up stage. Right. And I could just, like Don Rickles would just fucking go at it, man. And it, it was fun. So that's why I'm a bit of a ball buster. 
Oh, I know you are. <laughs> I know you so are. I guess it's coming out. I mean, everybody, you know, I've been doing these interviews and you know me. So um, a lot of people always see, you see, they're asking me, why am I the quiet guy in Anthrax? Why? You always see Charlie and Scott in the press and stuff like I say, because I don't need it. I'm just, I'm, I'm family guy. I don't do that. But when people know me, they say that like Frankie is the quiet guy in Anthrax, not, not the Frankie that I know. <laughs> nobody I mean, would, uh, nobody would ever say that about him. That and the crazy thing is I've been doing these interviews for the book. People are saying, we don't see you in the press. And I'm not a social media guy. I have the social media. Yeah. They told me to set it up. I'm not living on it. I really felt like that I was sitting across from you and we were having drinks. Ultimate compliment. That's exactly my first thing I said to him. I, would, I just want to be like, we're having a beer. Like if I was in England with you right now, Joel, I want to be sitting at, having a pub, at a pub. I called it. I said, this is like a literary round of drinks is what this is. Great way to put it, man. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I love that. I hope somebody writes a review like that. That'd be awesome. So that... That's exactly what I wanted to happen. So you hit it on the head, man. Thank well, you. if somebody does, I want a kickback. So <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great line. I love it. Uh, speaking of which, I would be remiss talking about journalism and great lines that uh, you know. Unfortunately, we also lost a, a member of our family very recently. Was uh, our good friend Malcolm Dome. Uh, and Malcolm, a lot of people don't know this, and they should know this. I know the metal fans know this. But the term that describes this brand of metal we love so much called thrash metal, Malcolm is actually credited with, with the first to use that term. And it was when he was interviewing you guys. Malcolm was a friend, not only a great writer, friend. He was a supporter of Anthrax since the early days. Dude, I didn't even know he was sick. I, 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 didn't know, I don't know if you did. I didn't that, either. That's another good one of our friends that have passed on. And, you know... It's 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 a weird time in our life, man. You it know is. what I mean? It like is. A lot of a lot of the good ones are passing, and uh, we have to really stop to think about that for a second. Uh, Malcolm was a good one. You talk about your wife because now we got to we have to include the husband thing. And you said something here. Out of everything, this is maybe my favorite part of the book. My wife is mellow. She's thoughtful. She takes her time with things, which I don't do enough of, and it makes me think. And she's taught me a lot about life over the years. Mellow though Teresa is, she'll call it like it is if I need it. She's the most docile person, but she'll absolutely pull the reins in when I need it. And I love that about her. And it goes, so what do I bring to the marriage? Well, I guess I'm a fun guy. I want people, I want to make people feel good. And I think I have a nice way of doing that. I want you to know, Frankie, that I read that to, like I read it to you and to our listeners. I read that out loud to my wife. And I wanted you to know her response. And her response was, did you write that chapter for Frankie? Because, because <laughs> there has yet to be anything that can articulate and frame my relationship with my wife. I, wow. I, am, I am in debt to you, my friend. I wanted to share that with you. My pleasure. We're on the same page then, my friend. Absolutely, I, which is awesome. I love that. So, you know, I, I think after a while, and you learn to laugh at yourself, right? Because you got to laugh at yourself. And now, look, my fucking anger problem that I've been in therapy for fucking ever and road rage and all that other bullshit, I laugh at it now because, like, dude, really? You, you're this age and you're fucking still yelling at the guy for fucking cutting you off? Really? You're still doing that? Yeah. And my wife's the one on the side and you know, Frank, and that's it. I, and I, I stopped it. It's not that she's in a mean way. She's like, what are you doing? You know, what right. you, it, it's sense. Sometimes I lack 
that sense. And that's yeah. fine. It's one of my faults. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. We both have had really great, strong women in our life uh, that have led us and guide us. Uh, Frankie, I always love talking with you, my friend. Yeah, I really yeah, have enjoyed today so much. Too, I, really I feel like to it. we haven't talked in a while, so it's nice just to catch up. Number one, it's deeper than that because there's so much history here. I love connecting you with you on the book because you took it apart and really got it. And I think and it's, I'm finding people are doing that. Thank you. I have to say thank you, dude. Well, thank you, my friend. And I and to all our listeners out there, get this book, man. It's a fun ride. It's just one of those books that works. Like, like sure, if you're an Anthrax fan, this is a great book. But what's so cool about it, you wouldn't even have to be an Anthrax fan. This is a human story. This is a story about relationships. This is a human deal. Again, the book is out now. Frankie, I hope the next time we do this, my friend, I hope that we were able to do it in person. Wouldn't that be nice? A great pleasure. Good catching up with you, man. You too, brother. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. want to thank my man Frankie uh, for coming on this week, man. Get that book. He's awesome, man. He's just such a good dude. He's a good, solid guy. Uh, and now, golly, I mean, he, he's using his platform to promote, um, you know, just goodwill and being a good person and a good dad, you know, to his son, Brandon. Uh, when I was quoting his book earlier about his wife, there's a a passage that I I also wanted to add that's just it's just so perfect. Check this out. Uh, I'll I'll pick it where I left off where where I said. So what do I bring to the marriage? Well, I guess I'm a fun guy. I want to make people feel good, and I think I have a nice way of doing that. I'm not perfect by any means, but I do want to make people happy, and she knows that I come from a good place when I do that. I bust balls a lot and I complain about day-to-day -day things, but I tell fun stories and make sure people enjoy themselves too. I just want to have fun because life is short, right? Just as I want to be a good father to my son because of the experiences of my childhood, I also want to be a good husband to Teresa for the same reason. I want to be everything that is the opposite of what I saw back then, and I want that forever. Man alive. Bless you, Frankie. I know you want it, and I hope you have it, and I hope you keep it forever. Uh, and as you heard in the interview, man, like literally nothing has framed my, it's like we're talking about my marriage. That's exactly the same thing. You know, my wife gets annoyed with me a lot because I'm this kind of goofy, funny guy who's always cracking jokes and complaining and busting balls like, like Frankie does. And she's real calm and thinks things through and all that. But at the end of the day, you know, and so when I read that to her, uh, it really... Uh, landed in the right place. So anyway, cool thing to be able to share with him. Anyway, get this book, man. It's awesome. Uh, I wanted to say one more thing before Dana comes on with our final thoughts and, and credits and all that is that as you heard him talk about in the book, whatever, it's a very, very personal and very, uh, it's a very tragic chapter about his brother being murdered in 1996 out front of his, his, uh, his girlfriend's apartment. Anyway, a lot of people don't know this, and maybe even some of the Anthrax fans don't know this, but on the album Volume 8, um, that came out about two years after the tragedy had happened, there's a hidden track on that record called Pieces uh, that's about in four 
um, Frankie's brother, Anthony, which of course was also Charlie's nephew. So anyway, I thought it would be kind of appropriate for this to kind of honor him and honor Frankie and, and, and the whole bit that uh, if you haven't had a chance to hear that song, that that's what we're going to close out with. So after you hear these credits, stick around and check that song out. Uh, and hey, we'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller, theme music by The Buck Pets, original score by Jocelyn Hunt, artwork by Antora Sandy, marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thank you.